Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. All right, we are live. Good evening, good evening, good evening. Welcome to our banquet for the American Council of the Blind of Minnesota Convention. Thank you all for being here. We are streamed on ACB Media 8, and we are live on Zoom. I want to thank Joe Green, who is our streamer. Yay, Joe. And my good friend, Allison Smitherman, who is our Zoom host this evening. Wonderful to have both of you and Cecily in the background making sure everything's going well and my audio girl extraordinaire Bryn thank you thank you couldn't do this without you um, I want to talk for just a moment about our banquet this evening we've had some wonderful food and I want to thank again the generous sponsorship of our banquet in November of last year, one of our members passed away, Jason Santana White, and his mother very graciously asked people to donate to ACB of Minnesota in memory of him. So our banquet is partially sponsored this evening due to generous donations from Ann White in memory of Jason Santana White. So thank you, Ann, for this donation. All right, this evening, I have the pleasure of introducing our banquet speaker, Mr. Chad Philly. And I said, is it, he said, yeah, it's like a Philly dog, although that's not how it's spelled, but that's okay, I'm, go, I'm going with that. And Chad is a Minnesota storyteller, he is a comedian, he is a 10th grade history teacher, which you have to be a comedian to do that, I would think. And he also has a friend here who's, not gonna, who's just observing, but I'm supposed to say he's the world famous Kurt, I don't think he's... I don't know. He thinks he's, I think the world infamous Kurt, but anyway, I am without further ado going to turn this over to Chad. Chad, do you have a mic up there or are you taking mine? Uh, I can give him one yeah, from up here. You want to give, he's at, um, Okay, yes, I do. Yes, all right. I'm going to go off mic and I'm going to leave it in the cave. And let me tell you one little story about Chad. Barb Appleby, one of our uh, board members, and on the, got Chad as a speaker and she found him as we all find people on the internet and she talked to Chad and Chad said I'm a little nervous I've never been around a group of blind people before so we gave him a quick indoctrination this evening so welcome Chad you outed me thank you so much so I just wanted to say that uh, how many people raise your hand if you can't see it all Okay, so all of you guys that can't see, I am one of the most handsome men in the world. I am amazingly good looking. You can ask the people that have vision. They will, they will verify this. So, okay, there we go. The, thank you. Make sure you tip the waitress. <laughs> tip the servers. So, now this is awesome. So I also heard that there's some, uh, my day job is I'm a teacher. So how many uh, teachers are out there in the audience? I heard there's a couple teachers. Give them a hand. These people deserve combat pay. It's amazing being a teacher how 
things have changed post COVID. Um, it's like a lot of my kids came back and they changed their names. And they, I don't know where they make up this names, but I was calling Roll and I called Emily. And the kid says, I prefer to be called Granny Smith. And so I was like, like the apple? And they said, yes, like the apple. I, I identify as an apple. And I thought that was really weird because I said, why wouldn't you pick a good apple like Pink Lady or Honeycrisp? But Granny Smith, I just didn't understand that. So um, I'm going to tell a few stories, and uh, uh, some will be funny, some will be a little more serious. But uh, if I see you guys going to sleep, I'll know it's time to stop. Does there, but before I start, I need to know if anybody is, didn't get a dessert. Oh. Okay, we want to make sure everybody gets a dessert. Especially the president. Now, was this one of those weird coups where she got elected president, or was it all legit? It wasn't like a... a it wasn't one of those Russian elections? We're all good? Janet? Oh, there you go. <laughs> I like that. I don't even have to say anything. I'll just set you up and I get punchlines. I like it. I'm going to start traveling. So I do storytelling and I do comedy both. So I will try to blend a little bit. Uh, but I have three sons. And my oldest son, his name is Trent. And when he was about seven years old, I used to be a basketball coach. And we were walking to the gym. And he looked at me and he says, Dad, it was one of those, it was one of those uh, courtship of Eddie's father's moments. I think somebody else needs, there's one more dessert needed back there. And so we're walking to the gym and, and my son looks at me and he says, Dad, he goes, my name's Trent. And I go, wow, it only took you this many years to figure that out. That's great. And he said, he goes, if I have a son and I name him Trent, he'd be Trent Jr., right? I said, yep, that's right. I said, well, what happens? And then he said, what happens if he has a son and he names him Tr Trent? He goes, is he Trent sophomore? <laughs> and so I kind of laughed. And then he goes, he goes, and then I understand if it's Trent freshman. He goes, but then what happens? Is it Trent eighth grader? <laughs> yeah, isn't that something? Seven years old. He was a character. I remember when I went with him to his first baseball game, he was playing baseball. And he was so excited. So excited. He was going to play. They were playing against another team. It was like they had an in-house season where they played all their kids from their school. But then the, 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 you know, the highlight of the year was they're going to go against another team. Oh, he was so excited. That's all he talked about for a week. Well, I got there a little bit late because I was coaching basketball. I was doing some summer stuff. And I got there. And I got there. And the scoreboard, it was 18 to nothing. His team was out in the field. And they were just getting slaughtered. Finally, they got the last out, and the team came up. They walked up, and I, I looked. I walked down there, and I thought, "What can I say to him?" You know, he's probably disappointed. And I said, "Well, he says I'm so sorry." You know, I mean, you know, that's tough. You guys are down eighteen nothing, and he goes, "Oh, it's no big deal, Dad." He goes, "We haven't even been up to bat yet." <laughs> so that was a long game. That was a long game. Yeah. So the, so then we, uh, we ended up watching another baseball game of his. This is when he got a little older and a little bit better. And uh, we had a, a dog who was 
you know, have you heard how they take these designer dogs and they, they combine them and they get the weird names? You know, like a golden retriever and a poodle and it's a golden doodle or a Boston terrier and a rat terrier and they call it a brat. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, there, there's weird names like that, but we ended up, uh, my wife wanted to get into one of these designer dogs. So we, we looked all over and uh, we looked at one where they, they crossed an American hairless and a sheepdog. They call it the comb over. So. It kind of looked like Donald Trump and Scooby-Doo had a child. So. So we went and looked at it and we took it for a walk and the hair was blowing in the wind and it, was, it wasn't good. So. so we passed on that one. So we ended up looking, uh, we found this one, and it was a, um, it was a uh, French bulldog and a pug mix. And uh, we ended up going for that one, and they don't really have a name for them, but I call them the son I always wanted. Yeah, my, my three sons don't think that's funny either. So anyways, so I was watching a baseball game, and we had just gotten Antonio. That was his name. We named him Antonio. My wife said she wanted to name him after Antonio Banderas, so... I like, whatever. I wanted a bulldog, so I was excited. And so we're at the baseball game, we're watching, and all of a sudden, this, this lady appears out of nowhere. She was like a vampire. Just like she's just there. And I'm like, whoa, how did that happen? But anyway, so she was, she was an attractive woman, so I was glad my wife wasn't there, because I would have gotten in trouble for that. <laughs> and she starts petting Antonio. Didn't ask anything. She just starts petting him. And she says, uh, yeah, she said, my husband's allergic to dogs. So she said, what, you know, would you mind if I petted him? I said, no, that's fine. So I'm watching the baseball game, kind of ignoring her. She's talking to me. And then all of a sudden, her, her kids start coming over. She had three kids. One was playing in the game, but the other two were, the first one came over, starts petting the dog, then the second one petting the dog. And, and so we're talking and talking. And meanwhile, she starts asking me questions, like, you know, where do you live and all this kind of stuff. Right. She wasn't hitting on me, but... She starts asking me all these questions, and I'm like, okay, whatever. And then she uh, said that she worked at a bank in Andover. Now, my wife works for an animal eye specialty, which is kind of coincidental with the vision thing. Um, <laughs> trust me, she can't help you. <laughs> Although their LASIK surgery is much cheaper than other ones, but... So, but, so they, they actually, she worked like right across the parking lot from where my wife worked. And I said, oh, that's funny. I said, I said, you'll have to stop in because I said, my wife brings Antonio, since it's a vet clinic, she brings him to work every day. She says, oh, I'll, I'll do that. And I thought, yeah, right. Nobody ever does that, right? Well, this lady did. <laughs> so about a week later, I'm sitting there and my wife comes home. She goes, your friend stopped by. Like I said, she was attractive. Remember this? Oh. Yeah, your friend stopped by. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Now, who? I had no idea. She goes, the one from the baseball game. And I'm like, I've started going over all the mothers that were at the baseball game from our team. I'm like, she wouldn't come. She teaches with me. And so I was trying. I said, I don't know who you're talking about. She goes, the one that works at the bank. And I'm like, are you serious? And she goes, yeah. She came over and said that you could... She's, you told her that she could come and visit Antonio anytime she wanted. I said, did she? I said, well, I don't know this lady. She says, well, tell her not to come anymore. 
I'm like, I don't know her. She says, so whatever. So end of story, right? No, Paul Harvey, the rest of the story. <laughs> so we get another about two, three weeks. She shows up at work again and she says, hey, I would like to, my kids to see Antonio and my wife, like they're very busy. And so she was kind of curt with her and she says, listen, she goes, this doesn't work. You can't. She goes, well, can we just take pictures with Antonio and then we'll, we'll never come back. So she's like, okay. So she starts taking picture with her and Antonio. Then it was with the oldest child and Antonio. Then it was the youngest child. Then it was all three children. She took all these pictures and then she finally left after like 15 minutes. And, and my wife says, okay, so you're not coming back, right? Nope. We're, we're done. Okay. Thank you. So she comes and tells me, and I said, you're joking. She says, no, but I told her not to come back anymore. And she says, I thought I told you to tell her not to come back anymore. I said, I don't know this woman. I don't know her. So, and she was like an Andover trophy wife. That's the best way to explain her. Yeah. So she had nothing but time and money on her hands and, and a big rock. And uh, so anyway, so about a month later, I went to pick up my, no, it was, it was probably about six months later, actually. I went to pick up my wife at work and uh, we, we walked the dogs there. So they're in like a little strip mall and there's a, a hair salon right on the end of the strip mall. And so we're walking and all of a sudden this lady with her uh, gown on, an older lady, she opens up the door and she yells, is that Antonio? <laughs> and my wife and I both are like, uh, yeah, do we know you? And she goes, no, but my daughter... And she explained, she works over at the bank over there. She's friends with your husband. And I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, trust me. I heard about that. She's friends with your husband. And my wife looks at me, really? And she said, but she took pictures of Antonio. And, and, and my wife's like, yeah, I remember that. And she says, well, here, look. And she lifted up her, her gown that she had, um, had, you know, the haircut thing. What do you call it? A gown? The good enough gown. She lifts it up, and there's a picture of all the grandkids and Antonio on a shirt. She made Christmas shirts for everybody with the kids and Antonio. And so everybody was, can you imagine opening up those gifts? And they're like, oh, you guys got a dog? No. Well, who's this dog? That's Antonio. Now, I am, as I said, a comedian. I've, I've performed on the Grand Old Opry. Um, I've had, I've had some, some moderate success in my life, but I have never had a stalker like my dog. <laughs> there is nobody that has ever taken my picture and put it on a mug or a T-shirt. You know how hard that is in a guy's self-esteem? Now, what's even worse is my wife entered Antonio. Now, remember, he's a pug bulldog, which they have the little fat faces. And she entered us in a lookalike competition. <laughs> and we won. <laughs> yes, it was, it was very hard on my self-esteem. First of all, he has a stalker, and then he gets... Yeah, no, it wasn't right. So... Oh, so... How many of you guys are into the, like the fancy coffees? Anybody here? Yeah. My wife loves that fancy stuff, and she's always like, "You got to try this. You got to try." Her favorite drink is a tri triple mocha oolong latte fusion. Oh. I don't know, but it sounds terrible, doesn't it? Yeah. 
She's like, you got to try it. And I said, I don't drink that stuff. She goes, and she always says, we're going out for coffee. No, you're going out for this crystal meth stuff. I don't know what it is. It's like, <laughs> it's like I don't understand what it is. But she's like, you got to try it. And I said, I don't want to try it. She says, please, just try it. And I said, I don't drink girly drinks. She says, she said, just try it. So then I go up there and they start asking all these questions. Would you like skim milk, white, you know, whole milk, 2% skim? Would you like white chocolate, dark chocolate, milk chocolate? I don't know. Milk chocolate. She, would you like one or two shots of estrogen? That was where I, that was it. I drew the line at that. But I did. I did get uh, whipped cream and sprinkles, though, so that was all right. I didn't really like the drink, though. I'm glad you guys are laughing because it's, it's, it was a rough week around my house. Uh, my internet was down for four days. Yeah, my cheapskate neighbor didn't pay his Wi-Fi bill. Really disappointing. One time he changed his password, I was offline for a week. And then he put Chad Stinks. That was his password. Yeah, it's been disappointing. So, as I said, I've got three sons, and my oldest son scored, uh, well, my middle son, actually. He got a 36 on his ACTs, the college entrance exam. And we were really excited about that because my oldest son, he can't even spell ACT. (laughs) So we were pretty excited about that. But what was funny about it is we ended up getting, uh, he did, he got pamphlets and brochures from all over the country and Canada. All these colleges wanted him to go there. And our kitchen table was stacked up probably six inches deep, just brochures. And my wife was getting a little edgy about it. She was still mad about that bank lady. (laughs) So she started, she was, you know, getting a little edgy. And uh, she said, she made a deal with my son that said, by the time you go to bed on Sunday nights, you have to have the table cleaned off. And so that was the deal. So Sunday night comes, and I'm cooking, and cooking, 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 and all of a sudden he walks up to me, and he goes, Dad, you know anything about this school? And he whips this brochure in front of my face, and I said, well, it's from the West Coast. And I said, "Uh, why don't you Google it? I know the neighbors paid the Wi-Fi bill. (laughs) So why don't you Google it and see who some famous alumni are? So like if Walter Cronkite went there, you know, it's a good journalism school. So he walks away, and then he stops, and he goes, hey, who's Walter Cronkite? (laughs) Yeah, right? So I just said, you know what? Just Google it. So five minutes later, I'm still cooking. He comes back upstairs. He goes, Dad, you're never going to believe it. Their most famous graduate is Ted Bundy. (laughs) So I said, do you know who that is? He goes, yeah. He goes, that's that serial killer. Okay. I had two major questions. Number one, why does my son not know who a serial killer, I mean, who a famous newsman is, but he knows a serial killer, right? But secondly, what school advertises a serial killer as its most famous graduate? I don't know if he was majoring in women's studies or what, but it's like, wow. Too far? Too far? So I told that story to a group of seniors, and a boy raised his hand, and he goes, what's an alumni? And I looked at him, and I said, nothing you're ever going to have to worry about. (laughs) 
Oh, man. So it, it's fun having three sons, like I said. But my uh, when, when we were in college, I got married when I was in college. And so I was very young, young husband. And so I went from living in the dorms right into going into uh, married housing. And my wife's friend got pregnant basically from this guy. It was just kind of a one-night thing. And so she asked my wife if she would be the Lamaze coach. Now, you got to remember, this is like 1989 or something. So there's no internet, no Wi-Fi to complain about. So I didn't, I didn't understand what this Lamaze was. All I knew is they were doing some weird breathing. And so I come home from... I come home from school one day, and there's a note that says, baby's on the way, come to the hospital. I'm like, I'm like, okay. So I drive down there, and I'm like 19, maybe 20 years old. I get to the hospital, and I walk up to the nurse's desk, you know, like I'm all that. And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm the Lamaze coach's husband. They said, oh, well, they're waiting for you. Okay. So they said, you got to put a gown on first, which should have been my first sign that there's going to be problems. <laughs> So we're walking down the hallway, and they're putting this gown on me. And we walk into the, they open up the door just in time for me to see him pulling the baby out. Okay? Now, you guys that can't see, you're lucky you don't have to see that visual. That was, that, was, that was more than I expected, right? So I'm just kind of like totally staring in total shock. And all of a sudden, if, if this was like a movie or whatever, you'd hear this voice from off screen. But I'm looking, and all of a sudden I hear this voice and this this faint woman's voice, and she says, who's that guy? So I turned to look at the face, and at that moment, I realized I was in the wrong room. So I did what any man would do in that situation. I turned and ran. So when we got four years later, four years later when my wife said she was pregnant, I was scared because I wasn't sure I wanted to see that again. So we got all the way to eight in about eight and a half months. And all of a sudden, I, had, I was in the National Guard at the time. And so I had to, what's that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You're welcome. And uh, so I ended up uh, having to do my two weeks duty, the 15 days. And so we wanted to make sure that somebody was with my wife just in case, you know, obviously. And so uh, her sister stayed with her. And so the fact that her sister was there, I was happy to go away for two weeks. <laughs> oh, so those, those of you that are laughing know my sister-in-law, huh? <laughs> so I called that night. I was nervous, want to make sure nothing's happened. And so I call and I said, you know, is, was everything okay? And she goes, oh, yeah, everything's fine. She says, except for my sister got sick in the morning. And I thought, hmm, you must have made breakfast. But I didn't say that because I'm a smart man. So we, uh, the next night I called. I said, how's things going? She goes, everything's fine, except, she said, sister got sick again. I'm like, uh-oh, is she okay? And she goes, well, we got into a discussion. Well, that's code for an argument. <laughs> and so she looked at her sister and she said, I think uh, you might be pregnant. Her sister says, no, I'm not. She goes, yes, you are. No, I'm not. So my wife says, I'm going to prove you're pregnant. So she, eight and a half months pregnant, goes down to the car, drives to the local drugstore, walks out or should I say waddles out, and goes and grabs an EPT. Now, she goes up to the counter and hands this early pregnancy test to the lady at the counter. (laughs) 
Now, this was an elderly lady, and we knew her very well. She's the kind of person, she wore her glasses right on the end of her nose. So she could look at your product, and then she could look above it and judge you. So she looked at the EPT, and she looks at my wife's stomach, and she says, Honey, if you don't know you're pregnant by now, you're never going to know. Which it was kind of funny, and she turned out to be pregnant, so we, had, we have a niece also the same age. So we get to, I get back, no baby. I would have never heard the end of it. We get to the, the due date, no baby. And I got a little scared with this no baby thing on the due date because did anybody hear? My dad was very cheap. Like, he wouldn't even buy us milk. He bought us powdered milk. Did anybody here have to drink powdered milk growing up? Hell yeah. But I bet you guys got the good stuff like Carnation. We got this stuff called Instamilk. It was terrible. Like, they didn't even have missing children on the cover. They had an outline so you could draw your own face. Because if you drank Instamilk, you wanted to be missing. Like, mom mixed it with cough syrup to make it taste better, right? But we got to the due date of this baby, and I was getting nervous because I knew that if milk, my friends had milk, and if it got past the due date, things got spoiled. So I was a little nervous. So anyways, we, we end up, we go one week past the due date, right? Oh, excuse me, on the due date. I'm, I'm being an attentive husband. I'm being nice. I'm taking care of her, right? No, I'm hovering, she says. She said, go play basketball with the guys. And she goes, I'll have you paged if anything. I said, okay. So I go in. I'm, I'm playing basketball. I steal the ball, and I end up shooting a layup, and somebody kind of undercuts me, and I end up landing right where the floor and the wall meet. And my ankle, three of my ligaments just ripped. So the guys grab me like, a, like Rudy, and they grab me and put me on their shoulder, and they, like, carry me off the court. Not because I'm a champion, but I was taking up the game, right? <laughs> so they bring me across the street to urgent care. They x-ray me, and they said, you guys have, you know, they said, you don't have very good insurance. And I said, well, yeah, I'm young, you know. They said, you don't have very good insurance. So they said, we're going to get, instead of surgery, we're going to recommend an ace bandage wrap, which they wrapped me up. And then they, my insurance was so bad, they only gave me one crutch. <laughs> So I look like a Civil War veteran walking around. So then we go another week, no baby, and the next day, no baby. We get to a week beyond the due date. I'm at work. I get this phone call, and she says, it's time. So I waddle out to the car with my one crutch. I get in there, and I sped home as fast as I could, which was 40 miles an hour because I had a Geo Metro. <laughs> so we had the luggage already in the car. We turned it around. She gets in the car. We turn it around. We took off, and I got a tailwind, so we got her up to 45. <laughs> Oh, it was great. So we get to 45 miles an hour. We get to up to the place. It's Dakota Hospital in Fargo. Now, I realized as I was pulling up to the hospital that where I'm going to drop her off and the parking ramp are two blocks away from each other. And I'm thinking, boy, this is going to be tough with my ankle. So I looked at my ankle. I looked over at the parking ramp, and then I looked at my wife. I said, honey, is there any chance you could drop me off? She didn't think that was very funny, but she did it. She did it. 
But I'm mad at her because, you know, she could have the baby in that amount of time that it took her to get from the parking ramp to the hospital. It was ridiculous. So we get there, and she's carrying her luggage, and I'm walking behind her with the... So we get there, and, and uh, we get up to the room, and it's these 1990s colors. You know, it's like this oh, just disgusting colors and a carpeted floor. Now... I can guarantee you that the janitor didn't get a choice in that one to have carpet in that room, right? <laughs> so we were there for 28 and a half hours. Ladies, it was terrible. My ankle throbbed the entire time. It was horrible. Oh, brutal. And these, these neonatal nurses, are they supposed to take this Hippocratic oath? You know, they're supposed to help. No, it's all about mom and the baby. I did not get an epidural. They got to about hour 26, and they were getting a little nervous. They said, you know, we want to make sure the baby's not stressed. So they, they do this thing. They took these little probes. They dig in there. They, they put the probes on the head, and they go from there. And so we could see the heart rate, and they said, if if... For some reason, it gets too stressed. We're going to do a C-section. I said, okay. So you could see the little heart rate, beep, beep, beep. Well, the head started to crown out at about hour 28, and they, the doctor says, would you like to touch the head? Yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> I thought, well, okay. I'll, you know what? I'll probably change a diaper sometime, so what the heck. So I get up. I start walking over there. Now, what happens when... You start dragging your foot, which is wrapped in an ace bandage on carpet. So I got within about three inches of the head, and boosh! This lightning bolt shoots out of my finger, straight into the head. And the doctor yells at me. He goes, what did you do? I said, well, I just touched it. And he says, you tripled the heart rate. He said, go sit down. <laughs> but at least now you guys understand why my oldest son can't spell ACT. <laughs> oh are we having fun? Good. You guys are a great audience. Oh, good audience. So I do. I tell Nor a lot of Scandinavian storytelling. I go to festivals, and uh, I enjoy doing that. How much truth is there? They're like, this isn't like the TV. He can actually hear me. <laughs> There's always a little embellishment here. There is that fair enough? All right. So whatever makes me sound bad is embellished. Otherwise, it's true. Yeah. So, um, how many of you guys have ever experienced Ludafisk? All right. How many like Ludafisk? Oh, wow. What's your name, Kent or Ken? Ken T. Okay. He likes Ludafisk. Next year, you guys are having Ludafisk. No, we're not. So, now I have a theory. Some of you guys look like you're old enough. Some of you guys don't look like you're old enough. But they say that anybody that was old enough to remember when JFK, when they heard that he was shot, they can remember that. And I feel the same way about Ludafisk. 
I think that people can tell exactly where they were the first time they experienced Ludafisk. Now, I was eight years old, and my grandmother, her name was Lily. Her maiden name was Christensen, but she married my grandfather just so she could have the name Lily Philly. Yes, she loved it. And so she ended up bringing my cousin, who was five, and myself to the fish market so that we could uh, pick up some lutefisk. My cousin just blurts out, what is that smell? (laughs) And the guy behind the counter, he didn't even bat an eye. He just looked. It was awesome. He just looks over and he goes, boys, that's the smell of money. Now, you guys need to know, I lived in West Fargo, North Dakota, where we had a meatpacking plant and a stockyard. So, anytime the wind blew just right, we got the smell of manure. And anytime somebody said, what's that smell? We always said, that's the smell of money. So, I was wondering what this lutefisk was made out of. So, my grandmother... Oh, my grandmother was so embarrassed that my cousin asked that. She sent all the kids to camp that summer. Some got to go to Bible camp. Some got to go to basketball camp. My cousin and I, we got to go to Ludafisk camp. Oh, it was terrible. It was brutal. But I know how to... Oh, and people always ask me, like this lady in the, in the red dress who said, is, is this stuff real? The people always ask me, is Ludafisk camp real? And I go, who would make that up? And then they always say, well, what was it like? And I go, it stunk. (laughs) But we did learn how to make lutefisk. I can tell you step by step how to make it. So when, and the other thing was, I also, in the summers, when I grew up, I worked at a dairy farm. Anybody, anybody live on a farm or anything? Okay, so you guys that lived on a farm, you guys understand the concept of barn clothes. Yeah, you got special clothes you wear out to the barn, then when you come inside in the pantry, you take them off, you put them on the hook, you put on your regular clothes. So I just wanted to validate that that's something that I did, because I guess the smell of money wasn't welcome in the house. (laughs) So I married, like I said, the most beautiful woman in the world, and she's an awesome lady, um, but she is not Scandinavian. She's Hungarian. So don't hold that against her. Yeah. She's a great lady, but she did not understand delicacies. So like she, she thought uh, Lefsa was for tacos. And Ludafisk, she couldn't even fathom. Right? So into our marriage, she started to uh, collect animals, I will say. And so we had, one time we had two Alaskan Malamutes. They're like huge, huge dogs, about 140 pounds apiece. And we were walking at the local park, and Kodiak, the one Malamute, got a little too close to a skunk, and he got sprayed. So my wife said, we're going home. So she turns around, and we marched home. And she took poor Kodiak, she marched him upstairs, put him in the bathtub, told him to sit, then she ran downstairs and she got a can of tomato paste and she opened it up and she went up paste, yep, and she went upstairs and she just scrubbed him and his poor thing was howling because it was acidic. He looked like the character Clifford the Big Red Dog after that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, But it did kind of get rid of the smell, so that was good. Well, a few years later, 
I was asked to do a storytelling uh, to a uh, Ludafisk dinner. And so I was doing this event, and I got home, and I get into the garage. We have an attached garage to the house. And I walk in the house, and my wife was standing there, and she took one whiff of me, and she starts undressing me. It was just like barn clothes. She took all my clothes, and she put them up on this hook. Then she grabs my wrist, and she marched me upstairs, and she put me into the bathtub. Then she told me to sit. All of a sudden, I hear her footsteps, boom, 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 boom. And I hear the can opener, and I knew I was in trouble. So she came upstairs, and all of a sudden, she starts scrubbing me down, right? And I know why he howled. That stuff burns. Yeah, I looked like one of those red pistachio shells for about a week. So she goes, what was that smell? And I said, that was Ludafisk. She says, what is that? And I said, you know what? I was mad at her. I said, you go Google it. Neighbors paid the Wi-Fi bill, so Google it. So she goes downstairs, and she comes upstairs, and she's just mad as a hen. She's like, what? what is it? And I said, well, what did Google say? So she typed in Norwegian to American translation. So she went in the Norwegian, she typed in Ludafisk, and she hit return, and it said, pew! <laughs> I said, you still need to know what it is? And she says, yes, what is it? And so here came Ludafisk camp. And so I said, well, they take a cod or whatever white fish they have, they dry it out so it's just dehydrated like jerky, and then I said, then they end up adding some water, and they boil it, and they put lye in there. And she goes, why do they do that? And I said, well, I said, you know, it's to commemorate the pioneers. And she goes, don't they realize that they have this crazy invention called refrigeration? <laughs> I said, it's to commemorate the pioneers. And she says, besides, they use lye? And I said, yeah, they do. She goes, my grandmother used lye to unclog the kitchen sink. And I said, that's funny, because my grandfather said that they use Ludafisk to unclog the Norwegians. <laughs> so because of all this uh, Norwegian heritage, I did that DNA test. Has anybody done those? No. I, I ended up doing it, and uh, I ended up finding out that I'm a direct descendant of Rollo. Rollo is the, uh, yeah, he was, his real name was Rolf, but they Americanized it, they call him Rollo, but he's a, he was the Viking warrior king uh, in Normandy. And so um, basically the Vikings were terrorizing France, and so France just said, if we give you the northern section of France, will you leave us alone? And so they did. And so I thought it was kind of interesting that my uh, grandfather, or not grandfather, but my uh, ancestor was like that. And so those of you guys that are teachers, you've probably heard this uh, if you teach kids, um, but they, uh, a lot of people say kids are, you know, they're kind of cream puffs nowadays. They're, they're a little soft. They're, they're not as tough as our generation. And I, I don't get into that argument, but um, I wonder what Rolo would think of me. You know, this guy is, uh, you know, he fought with a battle axe and he was unafraid to die because if he did, he'd go to Valhalla. I've got to wonder what he would think of me knowing that I have celiac disease, which means I can't eat gluten. I wonder what kind of cream puff he would think I am knowing that I could get wiped out by a piece of pumpernickel. <laughs> can't imagine he would think I'm that tough. So what do we got here? So it looks like we're, we're getting close to 
our time here, but you guys having fun? Yeah. There you go. I appreciate that. So let's see here. Um, I'm just trying to see here. Well, I'll tell this one. And if uh, no, I won't. I'll tell this one. <laughs> well, I, I don't. I, you just never know. You never want to offend anybody. So. Uh, all right. Are you sure? This one. Okay. I'll tell two stories then. I um, being a teacher, I have to chaperone dances, and yeah, that that's that's not fun. And so, like, we, we chaperone dances, and, and we were having problems with the kids not going to the dance. You know, they were partying and stuff like that. And so we, uh, we made it at our school so that if they go to prom, all four years of high school, they can letter in prom. And I told that to a group in Iowa, and this guy yelled out, what if you went six years? And so I was like, well, like, seventh and eighth? He goes, no, 13th and 14th. It's Iowa. So we hate chaperoning as teachers. We hate chaperoning dances because the kids, they get a little bit carried away. You know, they uh, like when I was going to school, you know, you would face each other and you'd slow dance. You might, you know, put your hand a little bit lower than it should be or whatever. And you, you fast dance facing each Nowadays, the girls get in front of the guy and they put their butt into him and they like go up and down. Looks like, looks like they learn their dance moves on the animal planet or something. But so... It, they call it twerking. And, and so we were at this dance, and there was all of these, um, there, was these uh, there wasn't enough teacher chaperones, so there was a lot of like, parents and a couple church people that came to help out. And they had really, really high standards, even more uh, standards than the teachers did. And so they'd be like, look at that couple, break them up. Look at over there, Ken T is out of control, break him up. So... You know, and I was getting tired of doing this. So, um, and then all of a sudden, somebody comes over and they said, "Look at that group over there." And there was a group, and they were they were inappropriate. So I'm like, I was going to walk over there. There's this dad. He's like about six foot nine. He grabs my shoulder. He goes, "I got this one." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh boy, this is going to be good." So he walks right over to him, and he does a what I call a banana loop. He just like walks around the whole group, and then he just came back. He goes, that ought to do it. And I said, well, you didn't say anything. He goes, I don't have to. He goes, I had cabbage stew for lunch. He said, I crop dusted them. Three couples broke up over that. All right, well, that's, that's the worst I had. So. so that wasn't too bad, was it? All right. Nobody's going to beat up Barb on the way home? or <laughs> All right. All right, I'll tell my last story. So um, remember the, the son that scored really high in his ACTs? Yeah. So um, we dropped him off for college, and uh, it, he went to Moorhead. He got a full ride there, so was, we were going to go there. And he is, like, gifted in many, many different ways, but he's challenged when it comes to directions. So thankfully, there's like Google Maps and those kind of things, right? And so we brought him to the campus and, and um, on campus, there's this huge um, dorm that's like big and round. It's like eight stories tall, 10 stories, whatever it's, and it's round. So the kids call it the beer can. 
and, and no matter where you're at, you can see that. And so he, he was nervous, and I could tell that. And I said, hey, no matter where you're at, just orient yourself to the beer can. And so we, we ended up you know, uh, unloading everything into his dorm, and then we parked his car, and, and I could tell he was nervous. And I said, it's going to be okay. I said, look, that, that window right there has a red flag. Your car's straight off of it. Okay, okay, okay. And then we dropped him off for orientation. So we're driving home, and I looked at my wife, and I said, how long before he calls and asks where his car is? She goes, he's going to be fine. She got mad at me. So we were 70 miles. We got to Motley, Minnesota, stopped at Dairy Queen, and I get this phone call. And he goes, Dad, where's my car? So I was scared. I thought, this is going to be a long four years. <laughs> well, fortunately, he actually graduated in three years, so I was very proud of him. And he got a job with WDAY, which is the ABC affiliate. Yep, the ABC station. And, and so it's Ty Philly, and he would, it was fun because on the internet, I could watch him do his news stories. But you know, as a dad, you're always, you're, you're still worried about your kids. It doesn't matter how old they are, right? And so um, I was watching him. I'd watch every night, and he'd, sometimes he's doing, you know, in the station. Sometimes he's uh, out there uh, doing a live remote. He goes, Yeah, I'm here at the ABC convention, blah, blah, you know, whatever. And, and so, um, well, he started doing uh, outdoor things as the weather started getting colder. And all of a sudden, he started wearing a hat, like a stocking hat. And I thought it looked goofy, but I wasn't going to be mean and say anything because, you know, whatever. He looked a little unprofessional. So he comes home at Christmas. He goes, Dad, you've been watching my stories. And I go, yeah, I loved it. I said, I love this one. I like that one. It's really fun. And he said, uh, did you notice I've been wearing a hat? And I said, well, yeah, I did notice it. And he goes, you want to know why? And I said, sure. He said, well, he goes, I came in one night. It was about 15 degrees. And he says, I walked in and the news director says, okay, anytime it's below uh, 20 degrees, you have to wear a hat. And he says, okay, is there a reason? He goes, yeah, come with me. So he brings him to his office. He dials up his voicemail and he puts it on speaker. And it was beep. There were seven calls like this. Hi, my name is Mildred. And I've been watching WDAY for 50 years. And if you don't let that little boy wear a hat, he's going to freeze his ears and I'll never watch your station again. <laughs> Seven elderly Norwegian women called the station to complain that this little boy was going to lose his ears. So I don't have to watch my son because they're doing it for me. Thank you guys so much. I had a great time. Once again, my name's Chad Philly. Oh, but I, I do want to say this. I have a book and... Um, it, the uh, somebody bought it about a month ago, and they're putting it on the whatever service you guys have. They're they're recording my book. Oh, wonderful! Yeah. Oh, I just hope that they don't have it on uh, Mickey Mouse's voice or something like that. <laughs> oh boy! So, all right, thank you so much, Chad. That was wonderful. Oh, Barb, thank you so much for finding Chad, and I hope. You guys enjoyed Chad half as much as I did. He was really good. I hate to say that because now this is really going to you know, go to his head, but he did <laughs> so a the, really good job. The name of the book is uh, Board, of, it's Board of Education, A Long Ride on a Short Bus. So there you go. <laughs> we will look for it. Thank you so much. Wow. Yeah. This has been great. And to cap this off, 
We've got a couple of door prizes. Okay. All right, Patty, what do we have? We have a $10 bill in cash. A $10 bill in cash. And that is going to Kelly Harrison. All right, Kelly. Janet, I'm going to think the people who donated the door prizes. Yeah. Okay, who's the left? You got one more? We got one more. We have, we have, we have one more. All right, Target gift card for ten dollars. All right, and the Target gift card is going to one of our virtual attendees from Florida, Miss Sheila Young. Yeah. All right. Here, Patty, I'm going to give you the mic, and you can. I I just wanted to thank our um, committee, the convention committee, who did donate do. Donate the door prizes. I'm as bad as Chad. It was our our committee included um, Marion Hasserud, Catalina Martinez, um, Barb Appleby, Janet, and myself. So there you are. And we had a couple of other door prizes that just came along with us also from Hims and. No, we had one more. Okay. Well, thank you so much. That is the end of our door prizes. That's very sad. And our banquet is going to be coming to an end. Tomorrow we will have our quarterly membership meeting, for, uh, and that will begin at 9 a.m. after breakfast in the breakfast room. Um, I'd like to send some... Good well wishes out to our friend Stephanie, yeah. Yeah. who um, had to leave unexpectedly this evening. So our thoughts are with Stephanie. And um, yes, we will have social now. And I would like to once again thank Allison in the Zoom room. Hey, Allison, do we have any hands raised in the Zoom room? Anyone want to chat with us? Woo, yeah. We have no hands raised right now. Uh, All right. Well, I didn't call for them, so I understand why we don't. But I just want to acknowledge everyone who's been with us through Zoom. And thanks again to Allison and to Joe and to Bryn and to Cicely. Thank you all so much. We are going to call it a night. And I will talk with our ACBM members tomorrow at our quarterly meeting. Thank you all so much. Thank you.